again to another episode of Core Ideas, the podcast where we delve into anything and everything related to lake sediments. As always, we are your co-hosts, myself, Adam Jesiorski. And Josh Thienpont. Thanks for coming back again. All right. So what do you want to talk about today, Josh? Oh, I don't know. We're running to the the end of our list of contagious ideas topics. What do we have left to talk about? I don't know. We've done writing manuscripts, citations, open access, um, the environmental movement. We also, I think we also polled the, uh, the listeners. We didn't put a poll out on social media, on Twitter, to see what our future episodes could have been. We should have done that. We should actually use our Twitter account a lot more, in hindsight. Yeah, something we, it's criminally underused. You know what? In terms of contagious ideas, we could kind of explore social media itself and the way it propagates science amongst other things that's a good idea let's do that all right so yeah so you know as our own contagious idea arc continues to go viral the next episode could be about embracing that meta narrative and delve into the love hate relationship that we have or that social media has between uh with science yeah, it's one of those things that it, it, you know, social media encompasses every aspect of life that people are are living in the modern world, uh, the modern connected world, uh, and science is no exception to that. Uh, it's become pretty quickly entrenched into the way in which we, uh, you know, ca- carry out science communication at a level of just passing around some of the articles that we've talked about. In the last episode, when we were thinking about open access data, but also the way in which we publicize our science. So going back to the science in the news kind of angle, there really is a linkage for a lot of the stuff we've talked about in this arc in using social media if you choose to do so. And that's one of the things that makes it maybe a little bit different is that it's not part of the publication process uh, or any of that. It's completely ancillary to that. But it's becoming really, really important in a lot of ways. So that makes it an interesting topic. And it's also an interesting topic that we really don't know very much about. Because we have vast, and by vast I mean virtually no, social media presence in terms of the show. Both in terms of the show, but even compared to some people in in a personal setting. So I would say that this is a topic that when when I'm talking about, I really don't have a strong background of utilizing it for science communication only at a very superficial kind of level but it's something that uh you know i think about a lot because i use these platforms so i see people who are doing it really really well and that makes it an interesting uh an interesting thing to think about and so we you know we may not know much about it but as scientists we know how to do research so how about we Mm -hmm. look into this a little bit let's do it we should just record one of our uh, our uh, planning sessions. This, this is starting to sound like a planning session more. So uh, the way in which we record these things is we record every other week, and then we still talk on the weeks in between. And this is often how the planning sessions sort of go. Like, what do we want to talk about? Mm, maybe this. This will fit nicely into that arc. This is starting to sound like a recorded planning session, which in some ways it kind of is. It's sort of getting our thinking around 
social media, and we really are exploring uh, the topic a little bit. So we can double it up. We could use this planning session as an episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Content production doubled. Um, but on a more serious note, you know, like at this point, social media, I think we're well beyond the highlight idea of it being a fad. There are yeah. billions of people connected. Uh, you know, Facebook is far from the first social media. I don't even know what would get the first nod. Like I don't be, know. Something before MySpace or my Friendster or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Facebook itself is like 15 years old now. More than that. 2004, 5? 2004, yeah. 16 years. And owns a significant chunk of the wealth of the planet. And, and some of the other uh, social media platforms, it, they are all under the umbrella of this company. So has a huge influence on the world. Huge influence. Um, I personally don't have very much of a Facebook presence. It was never, never my thing. And then, uh, you know, when the news of Cambridge Analytica broke, I'm like, as it, I'm out. I'm still on there, but I... To, on the off chance that I want to connect to someone from my past that only uses Facebook, but um, that's about it. Yeah. So that writes off the biggest social media platform for us. Let's go. Let's go down the list a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So I. Uh, when did you did you have a Facebook account really early in the the history of the platform? Yeah. Like. Um, like. Sometime in 06, probably I would have, I would have gotten it. Yeah, um, I had, I had some students come to my office who were in one of my other classes, and they were doing a survey of faculty and their use of social media for one of their other courses. So I sat down with them and started talking about this. And I'm one of the younger faculty uh, amongst my my colleagues, and uh, mentioned to them that I had an, a Facebook account in 2004, like right after it came out, like right after it be went beyond the single network to different universities and they looked at me like I was literally from outer space (laughs) to say that like yeah you had to be a university student you had to be a queen student to be part of the queen's network etc um yeah so I've had it for a long time even though I don't use it really much more beyond looking at dog photos of uh Tiger's daycare when she goes no I remember being a thing um when it was still exclusive like knowing of it before I I was on it um but yeah that's about it um so that writes that one off yeah not, like we're, you know they're whole in the whole buying and selling elections you know i think of it as the home of anti-vaxxers people protesting masks flat earthers all sorts of conspiracy theories and yeah and your and your ants and chemicals yeah. and that sort of thing and how does science compete with with all that kind of juicy stuff yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a science component of it, but it really isn't the dominant one that science uh, is linked into, even though it really would be, well, not that people who hold those kind of views necessarily uh, accept data as a way of changing their opinions, but it would be a good place for science to push back against some of the crazy ideas out there in the world. But it's not a common one, at least that I'm aware of. No, I, I can't. I guess it depends on, you know, if you get... Your news from Facebook, maybe is it the science stuff uh, emerges a bit. But if you pull up a list of like 
most popular social networks. And, you know, not, it's not super obvious straight off the bat which ones where science would have a big presence. Yeah. Because you got Facebook is the obvious number one because it's like some huge proportion of the planet. Um, I'm not looking at list in order here. But then, you know, you have YouTube, which you don't really think, I don't really think of as a social media network, but. Yeah, that's, that's one that I think about a little bit because I do obviously make a lot of videos for uh, work related stuff, whether it's teaching or, or some research. And I never really think of it that way either. Like I think of YouTube as a place you go to find a video when you need to figure out how to work something or you want a review of some product. Or you want, you know, to see a cool video of something you're going to use in your teaching. But there is a ton of commenting on YouTube videos that I guess qualifies as social media. And by that account, it's the second biggest platform of all of them right after Facebook. Now, that being said, a lot of those, those comments, comments are, are horrible. It's a, it's a dumpster fire. Yeah. Like truly is a dumpster fire, even more so than than the groups on, on Facebook. Like it's horrible, absolutely. Uh, but it is a platform in the same way that some of these other ones are. Uh, but I would imagine that the people, I don't know, I, I would want to think that the um, comments, the people who are using that commenting as a way of their social media are a pretty insular group, like some of the more fringe social media platforms. It's not as broad, uh, broad scale or widespread. And the, the people who are using it for viewing videos are, are probably using it more in the way that that I'm thinking, but I may be incorrect there. Yeah. But it is, one, it is one, I guess. YouTube isn't something where necessarily content comes to you, to me through a feed. I don't really use it in terms of subscriptions or anything. My whole YouTube experience is I'm looking for something mm -hmm. as opposed one of to the things, having a feed. One of the things I find interesting about YouTube that I've only noticed uh, fairly recently is I tend to access YouTube through a computer like through a Windows-based computer. But if you look at it on a mobile browser, you get a very different experience. You get comments by the people who are making the videos, the content creators are commenting in the same way that they would on their Twitter feed or their Instagram feed. So it looks different and it may actually be the way in which you access YouTube that hides some of those features. Okay. So yeah, so in terms of, you know, networks where you have access with quote-unquote content creators or scientists like the the one that stands out to me then would be either twitter which i definitely use a little bit and science twitter is definitely a thing i'm not sure if science instagram is a thing that'd be another one that would lend itself to direct interactions mm -hmm. um and publicizing reddit i think of more of as a in the more of a news feed, and I guess there's a huge interaction element to it through all the comments, but it's not mm -hmm. not as much, you know, it's just someone posts a thing. It's not where you'd actually necessarily have any interaction with the person that generated the thing as much as the person. There's like a, I don't know, there's an anonymity layer there that um, is at play. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not a, a regular user of reddit i tend to uh look in on the the uh what are they called boards what are they, subreddits. What's the term for? 
subreddits uh, for the different universities. So more, and in that case, it's a lot of question and answer. So people have questions about procedures at the university and other students or some faculty will post answers. So I think of it more as a, like a frequently asked questions. Um, uh, that's how I use, well, how I view Reddit. I think I've never actually posted. Yeah, no, I've never, absolutely never posted anything, but I do use it. I use that to keep track of like my hobby-esque things as opposed to interact with anybody. Um, and what else? There are things like TikTok and there are apparently some absolutely colossal social networks based in China that I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. That, um, you know, is obviously catering to that billion and a half people or so that I have. Yeah. No and they way. may be carrying out a fairly similar function to something we've already talked about, like a Twitter version in uh, in that location where they may not have access to Twitter or to Facebook or whatever it is. So they may just not be copies, but be similar styles of, of programs. So I think what we're really seeing here, uh, is there anything missing from our list? Uh, here? There is, of course, Pinterest, which is a, a great way of um, pinning uh, images I to different topics. You don't have a Pinterest? I do not have a Pinterest. Oh, I actually use Pinterest. I wouldn't say a lot. Certainly, it's not something I view every, go to every day, but I do collect things on there. Like uh, what? As part of the show notes, as a way of drawing your attention to uh, to the show notes on the website, we'll pin or we'll put a link to my uh, board that I collect knots on, or I collect pictures of knots that you can learn to tie. They often have the uh, instructions of how to tie them. Um, so that'll be something to find. That's something we should throw in, you know, like our intro to grad studies one. You should have brought that up earlier. What we talked about is the field work. Yeah. That's what it was. Field work. Okay. The, there is actually, I'm not sure if there is a, a bow line on there because I can tie <laughs> that one with my eyes closed. But <laughs> I'm sure somewhere there's a, these are the 15 knots you need to know how to tie kind of thing. Um, but beyond that, no, I don't use that. Oh, I guess, uh, LinkedIn is one that we haven't mentioned uh, yet. And that's a very, I don't know, it's very different. I don't use, I have a LinkedIn profile, uh, but it's not one that I access or really associate that one with professional development type stuff is what's being passed around there. Less so than maybe there is a science component to LinkedIn, but I'm totally unaware of it. So I think maybe different sectors use it more, you know, the private sector perhaps uses it more than, uh, than the academia academia. But I definitely think there's a, a lot of stratification across these networks, uh, both by demographics and also by purpose. And I think, you know, taking the conversation further, Kind of really, the one that stands out to me is very much Twitter in terms of as a means of um, disseminating science. Absolutely. You're following specific people and those people are broadcasting stuff to you, but it's not, it's links to other things more so than pages and groups within it. It's so, mm-hmm. it's very much a way to go, here's a paper or a study or photograph or whatever and then getting you know people to share it and comment on it and without 
and having to be in video form, for example, with YouTube or necessarily tied to um, an individual person in the way some of the other ones are. Mm -hmm. And sharing uh, not only your own content, but other people's content, you know, it, on YouTube, if you are pre preparing a video to share, you've made that you're going to share it on Instagram. If you're taking a picture, it's probably your photo, but it's very easy to share the link to, Hey, here's this great paper that, uh, I found on the topic I'm interested in share that with my, uh, my followers and, and all their, uh, their followers if they choose to like it or to retweet it. So it's a, it's a way of sharing content much more quickly in some ways, but also sharing content that's not of your own generation and just putting that information out there. And uh, so I guess we'll, we'll focus in on that. For one, it's the only uh, social media that the Core Ideas podcast uh, subscribes to. We don't have an Instagram <laughs> or a Facebook page. So if we are to you know try and help ourselves in this discussion, we should probably focus on our Twitter account and uh, and things that we can learn from really from other people who do Twitter really well from a SciComm perspective or just a science uh, perspective uh, in order to maybe uh, up our game a little bit. Yeah. So I remember, and I have no idea where the link to this would be, but I read something like a year ago, year, year and a half ago or something about Know, to have any kind of scientific impact about on Twitter and breaking out of your own personal bubble so you're not just memeing to the choir. Um, you have to like grow your network to over a thousand followers, basically. And that makes a lot right. of sense to me. I have no idea how they came to that conclusion, but that idea of, you know, by the time you reach a thousand, you're well beyond people you know. Yeah, for sure. So as we record this on the 20th of July, uh, we have 77 followers. So we have some work. <laughs> we have some work we need to do here. I sure um, this might not be the best idea for an episode where we try and talk authoritatively <laughs> about how to use social media and science. And I personally have 378 followers. <laughs> so, and Adam has 121. So... Oh, this is the word of God right here. Yeah, really. <laughs> Take this all with a grain of salt, listeners. Um, we probably should have brought on a uh, uh, a guest. Um, but anyway, we can glean some things about what we should know from what we don't and uh, and work our way to some of the things that, that might be, be useful in this. But I think that's an interesting point is that, you know, if I look at the followers I have, the vast majority of them are people I know personally uh, or have met personally. Um, there, there are some exceptions to that, but but as a proportion. They're probably bots. Yeah, maybe, yeah. As a proportion, I would say more than half of the people I have personally met and know well. Um, and if you want to really break out of that bubble, you do need to increase that number or that number needs to increase on its own. Uh, and some the ways in which your follower count on social media and tw Twitter in particular increases is one of those really strange things that can be this slow, gradual progression, or you have this one tweet that goes super viral or just gets passed around a lot and your follower count exponentially increases overnight. And now you have this huge new following. Uh, and it's not something I, I claim to understand, but it is one of those strange things is that once you do get that, um, following 
whether it's a thousand people or, or some number greater than your, your personal bubble, then how do you go about, you know, utilizing that, uh, that platform? No idea. Yeah. I don't know either, but I think there are some like best case or, um, you know, uh, kind of suggestions for things that Twitter can be useful for, uh, in, in that perspective. I, I'm sure we have maybe one or two listeners, Roberto, uh, who have a few, uh, who are close to, uh, to that number and, and maybe he could, uh, tweet us yeah, and, and give yeah. us some ideas. Tweet early and tweet often. I think, you know, it's one of those things. You know, you have to be active, which I'm not really. But I also thought it was interesting to to like provide some context, kind of like when we did in the citation ones. Like, look around mm-hmm. and get some scale. So, like, you know, we sure. have our Paleo Limnology podcast with how many followers again? Seventy-seven hundred. Seventy-seven. Okay, seventy-seven. So, um, you know, comparing that to Quirks and Quarks. The Quirks and Quarks Twitter account, which is like the preeminent science show on uh, CBC, for anyone that's not familiar with it, I was actually kind of caught off guard by how few followers it had. Um, it's on the order of about seventy thousand. And so yeah. I guess you know when you think of that it being one of the biggest shows, again that stratification of demographics is going in like you know what is the proportion of the population that uses Twitter versus everything yeah. else. So, like for context, CBC News, which is the Canadian broad, uh, public broadcaster, has three million followers on Twitter, and one of their radio—it's only radio, yeah, it's a radio show, right? Yeah—is uh, seventy thousand. So that's a pretty small fraction of three million uh, viewers. So that's a pretty niche uh, following, even if it is seventy thousand people. Yeah, that's, which is crazy to me because it, you know, it has like. You know, uh, in my mind, in, in many ways, it's a fixture of like weekend CBC. But maybe I'm it is. Just- well, it, ha- it has one of the like coveted uh, time slots, so it's well listened to. Clearly, in their uh, like audio uh, listening perspective, so the you know the ad buy-in and all those things associated with it on the radio is good. But perhaps um, not necessarily. The radio audience people- is just fundamentally different than the Twitter audience. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then in the same vein, um, you know, the Journal of Paleolimnology, I just get an idea of like how many Twitter followers it would have, it'd be uh, 350. And then, uh, you know. I have have more followers than the Journal of Paleolimnology. That's awesome. (laughs) And so, and in the same vein, it makes a lot of sense, or at least from my own perspective, because when you think of like, you know, my own, not consumption, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, finding out about new papers, for example. It's not really from journal tweets ever. Like, I, no. I'm i subscribed to, like, JOPL and, and, and others, so I get, like, their table of contents via email, and I'll scan them when they come in uh, monthly or however often the publication uh, frequency is. But I'm not really perusing their Twitter account to see what's come out. I see that more on a direct level from authors or people within that I follow that do retweets, less so than the journal itself. For sure. And and I don't think they are a particularly active tweeting um, account on, on Twitter. Their tweets, and I do follow them, I think, uh, are pretty much 
just that. They're the table of contents from their from the journal when it comes out regularly. So they're probably there's a social media coordinator for many of the Elsevier Elsevier or Springer, sorry, Springer journals. And so they, when the new article comes out, it's probably automated. That gets put out on the Twitter. They don't necessarily reply regularly to other people who tweet at them because I think I have tweeted at them maybe when we launched this this podcast actually, and there was no you know interaction there, which is fine. That's what they're using their account for. It really is a way of just people who are using that platform getting the table of contents who maybe don't subscribe to the emails. Whereas there are some society journals maybe uh, or other journals in uh, sciences broadly that are very active on Twitter, have very active social media presence, and because of that have a much greater following. And that's Spain. How, how many people are following S- SCL on Twitter? That is a good question. Uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head. And while you look it up as an executive, you know, how big a deal is the Twitter account from the point of view of SCL for outreaching outreach? It's huge. Uh, it is the by far the so SEL I quickly typed it in. Well, it wasn't actually that quick. By the time I had to figure out what the, uh, the Twitter is, which is can underscore limnology, uh, has thirty eight hundred uh, followers, and it is by far the uh, main method by which we publicize uh, things related to the SEL. Um, and have for a long time as well. What's that? I'm just looking at. I pulled it up as well, and so see that. Um, they have put out 12,000 tweets. Mm-hmm. And it has been for a really long time, the main uh, mechanism for SCL to reach out to its members. Uh, and that started with, I think it started with Mike Rennie when he was the uh, communication, the English communications officer and continues with uh, both of the communications officers now. So we've built up this following. A lot of that following was built up during the ELA, um, Save ELA, uh, I don't want to call them debates, but the Save ELA campaign. And because of that, we, you know, we have a, a fair follower, fair number of followers that aren't uh, Canadian limnologists. So we're not preaching to the people who are just there for the journal uh, table of contents. We're getting a lot of different stuff and it's used to publicize work by other Canadian limnologists. We do a lot of like retweeting. Uh, we, I don't do any of it. Andrea and Francois the royal we. do a lot of, yeah, the Royal We do a lot of retweeting of things like that. We use it to poll uh, people. It's, it's very active. And I think that, you know, that comes from people who are, are really savvy with Twitter. So Mike Rennie is a, a great user of Twitter for his own work, but also really brought the SEL into the Twitter sphere. And Andrea Kirkwood, who is uh, doing a lot of the tweeting now, on her personal account has that many people and well, her personal and lab research account. So she's a very active uh, user of Twitter and they just bring that like, you know, that energy associated with using that platform. And it is a big amount of work to, uh, to do that part of it. It's, you know, for example, when uh, I, when we, some years ago now, I'm not even sure how many years ago, uh, for the Canadian Quaternary Association, Jenny, who was on our podcast a little while ago, she's a, a counselor for one of the different districts. And after the meeting, there was a suggestion, hey, why don't why doesn't Kankwa have a Twitter account? So we created one. Uh, and I, in theory, run it. 
Uh, <laughs> but, How many thousand of followers does that have? Uh, not that many. Uh, Kankwa has 269 followers and has made 120 tweets since I set it up in August 2015. So, you know, that that's what a society of, it's a little bit smaller than SEL, so it's not directly comparable, but it's in the same vein. Uh, but for someone who has no social media background and really hasn't put any time into it at all, uh, you know, we're, that's the kind of difference we're talking about for what I would use it for is to talk, you know, around the meetings. We, I sent a few tweets out. I took pictures at the last meeting in Ottawa, but beyond that, I really don't use it much. Uh, it's on my phone. I get announcements, you know, I get a notification when someone follows us, I follow them back. If someone tags us, uh, Canqua in it, I'll retweet it or whatever it is. But beyond that, don't really do a lot to proactively engage with the community and just hasn't had the time. I haven't had the time. Uh, and that's a, that's the, that's the difference really between 3,800 followers and 270 followers. And another thing I, I don't know if you'd be able to give any answers, but just at what point when you grow outside your bubble, do you then, do you start dealing with trolls? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Uh, it, it definitely happens. I, I'm not sure I've ever heard of, maybe they just wouldn't complain about it. They just block those people or ignore them. There ever being an issue with the SCL account and trolls, but, uh, you know, at, at some point it, it certainly comes up whether they're actual people who are trolling, whether they're bots or any of that. Or it's politically, uh, yeah, I, it probably depends on what you're talking about. You, know, you could have a fairly small following. You get a, a few big retweets, uh, by people who are followed by people with accounts that are trying to say more negative things. And you could quickly encounter their, I don't want to say wrath, but their annoyance. I wonder if uh, the JOPL um, had a Twitter account when the um, uh, uh, Jesus walking on the Sea of Galilee paper came out. Um, <laughs> it would have caused a stir. It might have. Yeah, I, I doubt they did. Uh, what, was it, what did we say? It was 2006 when that paper came out? So probably yeah, that not. That predates Twitter, I think. Twitter yeah. Oh, eight, I think. Oh, eight, yeah. Nine, something like that. So maybe not, but um, we'll never know, I guess. Okay. So I think one of the takeaways from this exercise is we need to improve our own use of this. And I guess theoretically anyone listening to this brainstorming session, um, you know, I've seen a couple of like lists put out there of what you want to do if you did want to um, grow your social media following. Um, and what would we say that one of them is pass it off to your co-host because Josh has been shown to be a poor <laughs> tw uh, social media coordinator for, <laughs> well, a, uh, so this is one of the big ironies because I thought you were the man, the man of the hour. Cause you had like triple my Twitter, fo Twitter followers. Yeah. I don't Maybe know we should share the details. Yeah. <laughs> that probably makes more sense. And, and actually that's, that's not a bad, uh, uh, thing to say about it because if you do have that opportunity you know two people can do twice as much um so that's a big part of it yeah yeah especially with the um uh you know i'm not a big twitter guy but i definitely can see how you can 
spend a lot of time in that black black hole perusing the feed. Like yep. I don't follow very many people, but already, you know, the feed fills up faster than I could ever look at everything on it. Oh, I, I follow almost a thousand people and uh, I, I would never get to the end of my feed. Like to things I've seen before, even if I check it every two hours, there's no way I'm going to get back to the things I saw at the beginning of the last surf through uh through the feed yeah so i guess we got to get better at self-promotion yep because no one else is going to do do it for us not even our mums who are our primary listeners at this point <laughs> yep <laughs> um, which is i guess that's kind of what we use it for primarily right we the our twitter account is used to announce uh, the release of episodes. The, the release of episodes. And primarily I use it that because I think most people who are listening now are getting it through their RSS feeds on, you know, they've subscribed to the podcast for our regular listeners. I use it mostly to show off the memes that Adam creates for the episodes because they show up nicely in, in the uh, in the Twitter feed. I think it's so few. Uh, I was all, you know, this is one of those things where social media is hard. There's been a couple where I've gone, oh, Someone's going to get a comment. And uh, I guess if you build it, they will come, but we're just going to keep building it. I really hope that the episode that's about to release, well, (laughs) I say tomorrow, but the 16th episode, uh, I really hope that the meme gets gets some love on that one because it's by far my favorite. When Adam sent it to me and I, I showed up on my phone when he sent it to me in a message, I like showed it to Jay like, look at this. This is amazing. Yeah. She's like, who is that in that picture? <laughs> I, I showed it to a, I guess not even a grad student, a now former grad student. Uh, I guess it's primarily showing my age a little bit uh, in in the meme selection or meme image selection. But uh, her general reaction was, I don't get it. Is that supposed to be funny? Is that a re- Who is that guy? It makes me so sad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you'll, so. you'll all know. I mean... <laughs> You'll hear, you'll have seen the image, hopefully. And if not, when you hear this, you're like, what, are you, what the heck are they talking about? Search out the image for the 16th episode and you'll uh, hopefully be able to uh, to partake of our, our enjoyment of it. Yeah. We find it funny. And yeah, and really that is, that is part of it. Like in some ways you are, in, you know, growing your presence and, and connecting and all those things are really important, but you have to enjoy it. And that's one of the reasons that maybe I'm not as good about it is I don't love spending tons of time commenting on social media i use it as a way of collecting news and you know seeing different things but beyond that it's not really my thing but if you really want to promote uh and grow your connections uh you really need to be engaged with that audience like you need to talk to people on twitter all the time every day it's not just about putting out the episode every two weeks uh and putting that cool picture you know you really need to engage with all of the other tweeps out there uh in your own field in order to get your presence uh in the conversation to be seen and to break out of your bubble into other bubbles because this is something we've talked about before where there seems to be no real rhyme or reason in terms of the impressions of a particular tweet in terms of the actual content it really comes down to number of retweets mm-hmm. like not necessarily yeah. the likes um and it's it all comes down to retweets with comments and then all of a sudden you see the impressions go up by orders of magnitude 
And so, and so not only of your own stuff, but if you, you know, if you want to give somebody else a boost, hint, hint, um, that is how you do so, right? And your Twitter thing is, and I don't like doing it either. Um, I'm, I'm very much of the lurking kind of uh, Twitter user, like browsing it, not really making a lot, whole lot of um, comments and anything. But if someone does something that they shared, that's the way that the audience is built because it's uh, an exponential network effect, really. That's the whole that's the whole point of it in the first place. Exactly. Yeah, I'm a... a- I have so many likes in my liked folder that I, I used to do it as a way of collecting things that I wanted to go back to. You know, likes are not endorsements kind of idea. But it got to the point where I was liking everyone's research and tweets and that kind of thing uh, so much that it became useless. And thank God I figured out that you can bookmark tweets. So that's where I put the core stuff that I <laughs> must go back to from teaching or research or whatever. Um, but I'm not, a, for whatever reason, I don't like like to quote tweet things, uh, retweet and, and with a quote, even though I, you know, it'd be nice to be say, this is so cool research. This really fits nicely. I just don't, don't get around to doing it. Uh, and I think that that would be a big difference. So uh, if uh, my way of like connecting on social media is uh, likes and, and follows, and I follow a lot of people, um, uh, that's, that's a start, but it's not necessarily the best way to go about it. And you could do better than that. And, and by really amplifying, and I, I always mean to try, uh, but there's always something else in the way really amplifying other people's work is a great way to grow your own, uh, connections. And eventually that leads to people seeing your, your own mate- material, you know, you need to support the community. So in the same vein, um, do you use hashtags very much? Not really. Does That's it, another. Do hashtags matter? Do you think? I don't know. Like I'm, I know our our hashtag game is particularly weak. Uh, um, I've never used one. I don't think. I think we throw paleo limb or paleo knowledge uh, or something uh-huh. in a lot of the episodes. I do on my Instagram tweets. Well, actually, the dog's uh, Instagram account is far more um, active than my own, so I use I use them there. But no, never on Twitter. So I, I okay. So I, I again. Um, very passive, so I just see what comes through the feed base and who I follow. Um, I guess every now and then I would click on a hashtag if something, if it pops up in the trending window of you know, if, like whatever the top two or three in Canada or whatever that window is on on the panel. Yeah. And so and so, oh, what is that? And why? Because that's obviously what's big. But in terms of actually searching, I guess I guess it is a thing, and probably within science Twitter and you know, hashtag Psycom and all that kind of stuff, but it's not something I particularly use myself. The only one I can think of ever searching for is a specific conference. So like if you want to find tweets associated, because that's when my Twitter, if you were to track my Twitter use, it would massively increase when I'm at a conference because you're there, right? And you've got your phone and you're, you're working away at it. Uh, so I would type in, that would be the only time I'd ever like search. So hashtag AGU 2019 for the American Geophysical Union or hashtag SELCCFFR 2019 in order to follow along with that. Hashtag pals. Uh, hashtag pals. Yep. Exactly. Uh, that's the only time I ever actively use or look for hashtags because I think in a lot of cases the ones that I see are pretty generic so if you hashtag SciComm you're going to get thousands of yeah. tweets they're going to be ranked by 
uh, the most popular by default. And, you know, those could be from some time ago that have just been massively uh, amplified by other people. Um, so I think uh, that's the best example I can think of where I've actually followed along with those. And those are actually good examples. Did we use hashtags on that little thing uh, a month or two ago where we we're trying to make paleo-limno memes a thing? I'm not sure if the paleo I, I that was Beth, Beth Hundy came up with that. Did she not? Or was it Josh Couric? I can't remember. Um, but, uh, I'm not sure if paleo limno memes was hashtagged. It's totally hashtagged. Hmm. Well, that's uh, cool. Well, there are three hashtags with it. One of which nice. is me. Um, but yeah, it was, um, it was Beth, Roberto, and Josh, I think, was a conversation. But again, mm-hmm. that would be like the, the extent of my messing around with hashtags in a science sense. Yeah, so I guess, you know, concluding this brainstorming session slash episode, I'm not sure exactly where one began and the other ended. Yeah, well, we've uh, talked about it all. <laughs> um, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about, for sure. Yeah, like... Uh, in many ways, social media sucks, but it's, you know, an integral part of the world that we live in. And uh, on a personal level, I want to use it better. Well, maybe not personal. Related to the podcast, I'm really not super keen on building my own social media brand in any way, shape, or form. I'm cool with being very much on the periphery. Um, but, uh, you know, a couple months into doing this and producing what I think is some good stuff, it's pretty obvious it doesn't happen on its own. It's a lot, some serious work is required to build an audience. Yeah, definitely. That That is by far, in all the interactions I've had, mostly with people who do it really well, and I can compare myself against, is that it's not something that happens on its own. There is a great deal of work that goes into uh, making those connections, and it's not done quickly necessarily. If you get that viral tweet that goes super popular all over the place people will follow you like crazy but they're not really going to be engaged with it you might they may unfollow or you're just in that list of thousands of of accounts that they follow to really build those strong connections takes time uh, and it takes effort and and it really has to be something that you work towards or you're just naturally really good at and that's where you uh, put your your focus uh, into uh, your connections all right so I guess uh, we will build upon that going forward. Yeah, no, it's definitely something that, I, in some ways, like um, I was thinking this as I tweeted the last episode about, uh, for the core ideas, about the uh, words on paper. And that some of the things that you can write for like the podcast account can be a little bit more silly in some ways than I would tend to write in my own account. So there, there's a potential to use other platforms to share things that you might not on your personal one, uh, that, that I find a little bit more enticing in some ways. I I think I'd be more likely to really start to engage via our podcast, Twitter account than via my own in some ways, because you know, you're hidden a little bit. It was that Adam or Josh who's tweeting. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's those guys, right? Right now, it's always been Josh, but Adam should wade into those waters soon. Which would be would be great. We can we can kind of listen to a bit of our uh, advice that we've gleaned from others' activities, uh, and and that's something to keep in mind. So, like you know, if you have a 
if you're a, a PI uh, at a in a research lab and you, you know, you may not have your own social media account, but one of your students may want to publicize the work of the uh, of the lab. So in Jenny's lab, there's a Jenny has her own Twitter account, and then there's a Kurosi Lab Twitter that she has. I don't think she knows what the password to that is. It's done by the students, and they publicize all of the stuff, and they're really good at social media. Uh, so. I don't think they have as many followers as she does yet, but they've only just started. They have an Instagram account for the lab. That's kind of a a parallel of that. Um, So utilize that. That's kind of a scary thing, though. That's a real Jesus take the wheel kind of uh, (laughs) vibe to it all. (laughs) Grace, if you're listening, (laughs) take care with the. (laughs) No, she's staying for a PhD, so uh, she's got a few years to to be locked into that, that role. Oh, okay. But, but, you know, they're way more active on Twitter than uh, from a, like publicizing papers and that kind of stuff, uh, even with fewer followers than, um, than our personal accounts. Okay. So, yeah, you know, the, you, it takes a team, you know, it takes a village. If it's the lab, uh, you share it around and, and that might be a opportunity if you're not so keen on doing it uh, all yourself or, you know, if not, and it is your personal account you're trying to work through, then hopefully uh, some of these things about don't do like Josh and Adam <laughs> will will be a little bit helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And sorry. if you want to contact us, we are at Core Ideas Paleo, <laughs> P-A-L-E-O, on Twitter. Uh, we'll definitely reply. That's one thing I would say is if people tweet at us, we're we're in the game. We just don't initiate the conversations and that's the step to really improving the uh improving the output is to start the conversation because just jumping into it is is fine but you know if you want to really be involved you have to to initiate sometimes too okay so yeah so uh on on our twitter feed link page you'll find a link to our actual website which is at um coreideas.ajesiorski.ca and that's where we host all the show notes and all of the memes I've made uh, to date and I don't think at this point I'm not sure if all of them actually made it onto Twitter it's time to start uh, um, disseminating them a little bit better yeah I think they they most of them did uh, we skipped the 13th episode because it's bad luck uh, no it was, it was right in the middle of all the Black Lives Matter uh, and there was more important stuff on Twitter than our uh, silly pictures but they are on the on the website. But beyond that, I think they are all on there. Okay. All right. Um, well, and oh, let me check the mailbag. No, it's nothing in the mailbag this week. <laughs> okay. So, but yes, again, one, uh, the best way to get in touch with us is through Twitter, uh, Core Ideas Paleo. Um, and until next time, uh, thank you for listening. And um, we hope been this one's been a little bit different uh, a little more rambly but we hope you've enjoyed uh listening to it uh it's been kind of a fun low-key one from our point of view perfect take care out there and we'll catch you next time see ya